This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you gotta grow up sometime. Also, this episode will be coming out on your actual birthday, which is 9-11, never forget. <laughs> Wait, what? Did you say this is coming out on my birthday? Yeah, this is coming out today. This is today's episode that we're recording today. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm, I know. I'm glad we don't wait till the last minute or anything. Well, we don't normally, but we had a lot of things that threw wrenches into the gears over that, the last several weeks. So that's whatever. Is this the, is this the end of our, of our season or is this the beginning of our next season? Um, so I lied last week. I thought this was the season. <laughs> I thought this was the season finale. There's actually one more episode in this season. Okay. Then the season's over. Then you and I have a few weeks off and then we're back to recording. So, so. what you're telling me is that we are going to end our season on a Monday episode of Swan's Crossing. We are, but let me tell you, it's a great Monday episode. It okay. feels like several Friday episodes rolled into one. Oh, all right. Because this this yeah. one this one definitely felt like a Friday episode. It did. And then it just ramps up from here. And I have to say, we've gone we've been very patient with Swan's Crossing up until now. We've put up with a lot of stupid bullshit. Uh-huh. Um from here on out, it gets to be a pretty action-packed, plot-heavy story. All right. So it does, uh, it, it takes, it's a slow burn, as we say in the writing world. It takes a while to get going, but then once it does, look out. It's, a, it's just a roller coaster from here, folks. It is. So anyway, this has got to grow up sometime as Swan's Crossing Retrospective, and I am Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. And we just watched see, uh, episode 20 of Swan's Crossing, which is what we'll be discussing today. Ah, Nathan, how are you feeling after that episode? Well, I was, I have to say I was very satisfied, particularly when there was an actual coven meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would like that. <laughs> I was overjoyed when the candles came out. There's a literal coven meeting in this one. Oh my oh. gosh, it was so good. It was so good. It was good. really good. Also, and, uh, also yeah, no 40 seconds in to the episode, I sent you a text message. <laughs> You sent me a few texts, and they were all very entertaining. I was laughing pretty hard as I read them. The, I was like, Barrett yeah. is so gross in this episode. Oh my god. Like, as gross as he was before, he really ups the ante in this one. It is so nasty. It, he's so, like, why are there no other adults around who can, like, give this guy a side eye and be like, listen, buddy, you gotta stay away from these underage girls. Yeah. Oh. I, I love how he seems to be the only adult that they cast who doesn't look like an adult you know like a grown-up parent person he's not making well maybe maybe jazz also jazz and i would say that neither of them are making the making the transition or the um standing in that gap very well let's talk about your predictions from last week let's do it you predicted that we would have the full cast this time, that there would be the Countess, but no other adults. That's mostly true. That's pretty Mainly. true. Yeah, I mean, we got Merrick, yeah. but yeah. You figured it would take place entirely at the Rosnovsky's house, all in Mila's bedroom. Almost true. There were a couple scenes elsewhere. You predicted that 
the pros and cons of various food items would be discussed ad nauseum. <laughs> Almost happened. <laughs> you you thought the boys would show up and this would be a big surprise to Mila, probably to the Countess too, and that the boys would have to sneak in. I'm going to give you that one. Thank you. I'll take it. Yeah, I think it counts. Uh, you predicted that the games which Sydney was envisioning would include something that would get Garrett and JT into a fight so that Garrett would get in trouble and get kicked off the baseball team. I was happen. wrong. Owen would bring his keyboard and Sandy would sing and the rest of the cast was not going to care about her singing. The latter half of that, not true, but we did get Sandy singing in this one. Mm-hmm. And I hate to spoil this for you because we don't actually see Owen arrive in Mila's bedroom at the end of this episode, but at the in next episode, he does have his keyboard with him. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. You got that one. I crushed it. You did. This is amazing uh, because he's riding a bicycle. I know. We'll definitely get to that later. Oh That's my one of my favorite parts. You said there would be nothing new about the computer virus. You were correct. You predicted that Callie would call people out on their bullshit. Also correct. Yes. And you predicted that Nancy would say something horrible to Mila, which would start Mila doubting herself in some way. Not true. Well, it wasn't Nancy. Not Nancy. But horrible yeah. things were said to Mila. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Yeah. Uh so anyway, we open with Jimmy talking on the phone to JT. He's stoked about something. He's in the tool and die, by the way. He hangs up and he informs Barrick that there's a party tonight at Mila's. Okay, pause for just a second. Before we get into the actual episode, I want to talk about the thumbnail for this episode on <laughs> shoutfactory.tv. <laughs> Because it's this little tiny image, and it looks like it's obviously Callie in a wig, and then Sydney in a wig, a blonde wig, and there's one other person in the thumbnail wearing a wig, and it was really down to the wire for me as to whether that was Sandy or Jimmy in that wig. And I was like, are they gonna are these guys gonna sneak into the slumber party dressed as ladies? Girls, that would have been amazing. Are we are we going to some like it hot this? <laughs> I wish. Anyway. So great great use of some like it hot as a verb. That was great. Right. So I just want to uh we can jump back into the rest of the episode now, but I had to bring it up because it was like who is in that blonde wig, and it ended up being Sandy, obviously, but very I am so glad you did bring it up. Uh, so um, Jimmy gets the news about the party from JT, and I don't know why he walks over and tells Barrick right away, but that happened. He does, and like we get one brief moment of Barrick not being a total creep as he kind of absorbs the information there will be a party for teenage girls that night with utter indifference. Like, he does not care, which is what you want to see from an adult man when he gets news about young girls in pajamas. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I was like, oh, good. This is going to end up being handled well. And I am immediately proven wrong. Instantaneously. Immediately. Uh, Callie asks, she's like, Jimmy, why do you care about a slumber party? It's girls only. And Barrick instantly goes into full creeper mode. It's, it's so it's the gross. the best kind of party, right, Jimbo? <laughs> I... Oh, that laugh. This is the moment where I started to seriously reconsider my decision to do this podcast. (laughs) He asks Callie if she's going and she doesn't know yet because like slumber parties aren't her thing. But then she's like, it's hard to say no because Mila's so nice. And Jimmy goes, girls, makeup, slumber party. Of course she wants to go. She's a girl. 
And then, oh my God, Barrick like leers at her in this unmistakably sexual way. And he goes, she sure is. Oh God. So it's so nasty. My notes just say, gross, gross, gross. <laughs> my, my notes say, oh, what is he doing with his tongue? Ugh. So anyway, Callie launches into a glorious rant, which I was like, yes, I was standing up and applauding. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, Jimmy tries to dig himself out of the hole and and Barrett just stops him. He's like, don't, buddy. He's <laughs> like, you're, you're not going to make this better, which is true. Uh, he's not. No, he's really not. Also, it, it was about this time, I think, that culturally we were starting to become aware of sexual harassment in the workforce. Yeah, right around this time. And it's so funny because Barrick is kind of like taken aback by Callie's fury. But he shouldn't be because he and Jimmy have been sexually harassing her at work for the past several weeks. So he's like, okay, I forgot you don't like to talk about yourself. And then Callie fires back. Oh, and you do? Right. And then we get my favorite thing, the clicky doom music playing in the background. <laughs> so good. And 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 the 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 fun the fun thing to me here is that this moment is very obviously between Barrick and Callie and 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 I'm sitting there going, yeah, Barrick, she's the one with the problem. But the, the moments between the two of them, the doom music start, and then the camera follows Jimmy. I know. I, I think maybe we were supposed to interpret that as it's Jimmy's first hint that maybe there's something weird about Barrick. But like, this, this is it. This is what clues him in that Barrick is strange and mysterious, where he and Callie are just like fighting over the fact that he was being a perv. Like, Ooh. I don't know. Good on you. Good on you for finding some meaning there. Well, then we get a truly delightful shot, a novel camera angle from inside the elevator. I'm glad you took I'm glad you took a note about how weird this shot is too. Because <laughs> typically when you're shooting an elevator, the camera is taken from the angle of the the like outside the door, right? This yeah. one is from inside the elevator with the door on the left-hand side so that you can see the buttons that they're about to press to go up to Mila's room, which is going to be important in a second. Yeah, so Nancy pushes the wrong button, apparently. Sydney's mad because now they're stalled. And, like, this is at most a three-story home. You can just take the stairs. Like, why are you in the elevator anyway, you lazy-ass kids? Come on. So, Sydney moves her out of the way and tells her to let her handle everything. And then she punches buttons like there's a code to go upstairs. It's not a keypad. These are elevator buttons. It's so funny. And there are only, like, three buttons anyway, too. Ugh. Sydney kind of drops some hints about her evil plan tonight, but before we hear any actual details... We cut to Tutu the Cockatoo, who is sitting on a dish of food, which consists of pretzels and an entire uncut head of broccoli. Raw broccoli. Just in a bowl, surrounded by a moat of pretzels. It, this is what teens like to eat. I just <laughs> love this this opening image. I, like, I could not get over the broccoli <laughs> surrounded by pretzels. Fucking craft services must have been a nightmare on this set. That's literally what I put down. I was like, did craft services help with this scene? Because literally, like, you go down the table and I'm like, this feels like a craft services table. 
The Countess is helping her maid cover all of Mila's furniture in these weird, like, leopard print drop cloths because, and I quote, we don't want to get any sauce on these. Right. The camera pans across the table spread, and I feel I feel it's very important to give the full picture. There are potato chips, jelly beans, popcorn, cupcakes, the framed photo of Garrett. Why? Floral arrangements, fruit, clear bottled sodas. Yeah, it's like it's like plastic bottles, like half size water bottles. And some sort of weird pale colored liquid inside them. Like they're all, someone just took a bunch of water and added like a drop of food coloring to each. It's like all different colors and took all the labels off those bottles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is weird. It is weird it is to say weird. the least. Uh, and then the countess suggests to Mila that she go put on something more exciting because everything here is so boring. Yes, but before that happens, Mila allegedly spots some caviar on the table, although the viewer can't see it. And she's like, Mama, caviar! And then the Countess says, it's for the s'mores! What is wrong with you? <laughs> also, did we did we say the name of the maid yet? I can't remember. Did we, I think it's Catherine. The maid's name is Catherine. And I feel that yeah. that's important that we name the unspeaking characters in this show, just as we have with, who is it, Phil, our favorite extra? Yes. Yeah. Um, we cut back to the longest elevator ride in history, where Sydney is explaining that they're going to play a little game of who am I tonight. Uh, and Nancy complains that that sounds super tame, but Sydney assures her it's not going to be tame when she does it. Then the elevator door, <laughs> the elevator door opens, pauses briefly in the middle, as if the person actually like operating the elevator door off camera. Like, got stuck for just the briefest moment. Door opens on Mila's room. Camera zooms in over Sydney and Nancy's shoulders to Mila, who's working on a floral arrangement. We get ominous music and a military-like snare drum. And between <laughs> the girls and Mila is a huge stack of pink pillows. It's like a mountain of pink pillows. It's so also. Good. I'm so glad you noticed the weird elevator door thing because it it brought back traumatic flashbacks to that play we did shortly before the pandemic happened with that three part rotating set piece we had. Oh yeah, the the um, the 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 constantly turning uh, poster. Yeah, the poster and. <laughs> And how terrified we all were that we were going to catch our fingers in it and just rip our digits off. Oh, I did. I did. That was such a dangerous show. We one of our one of our uh, co stars or whatever you want. One of our uh, fellow cast members actually broke his ribs on stage in the middle of a fight scene. Yeah, and and carried on like a total pro. Hats off to you, Eric. Oh, (laughs) jeez, that was fun. Anyway. When we come back from the commercial break, the girls are examining this weird old red wig thing. And Sydney says she found it in her mom's closet. And this is funny to me because she, Sydney has brought a wig to the slumber party. BYOW. Oh my gosh. The Countess does remember this wig because she remembers when Muffy dyed her hair red and sprouted a new ponytail overnight. Yeah. And, and we seem to be in the middle of the party at this point with, with Sandy, Nancy, Sydney, Glory, and Mila all there. But the Countess appears to be monopolizing the conversation and gets this, like, glare from Mila. So she, the Countess kind of finally takes the hint runs off with with her maid, Catherine. And on the way out, she tells them to ring Elise if they need anything. Turns out Elise is the new cook because 
the s'mores did Greta in. R.I.P. Greta. I I feel like I feel like we need to talk at some point. Maybe not right now, but at some point, what have been the multi the, the various different things over which uh, cooks in the Rosnowski house have quit? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that'll be one of our bonus episodes. What has made the Rosnowski help quit? Yep. Oh my god. So once they're alone, Glory declares that it's party time, and the girls begin chattering and having a great time. It is really very cute. Wait, 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 wait. But first, like, right, it is very cute. It is 100% very cute. But there is this long pause as the girls sort of gather in a coven-like circle before (laughs) Glory announces very adorably that it is party time. But there's this, like cluster this physical (laughs) cluster that happens and it is hilarious to me because i was like oh my gosh it's gonna happen it's gonna happen the coven gathering is starting it's like they're huddling to to converge their various energies it's great nancy brought tunes several girls got makeup that they plop on into mila's arms glory got a ouija board Which is the last person I suspect would bring a Ouija board. The thing that I love about this is that it's in a board game box like Monopoly that says Ouija on it. (laughs) Did you? Here's the thing. I grew up, I grew up in, you know, ultra conservative household and Ouija boards were definitely like part of the anti, like we were like very opposed to them because of the satanic panic in the eighties. Did you, did you ever experience this with your like uh, sheltered Mormon upbringing? Like what was. Okay. So I was not allowed to play with Ouija boards, but um, I did go to a slumber party one time where Ouija boards were a thing. And I was like, I'm in, I'm going to try this. I'm going to see how scary it really is. Um, so it turned out that it was obviously, you know, one of the girls there was clearly controlling it because we were asking it questions and it was giving answers that you would expect a middle school girl to give. And also the ghost we were supposedly communicating with was named Corey, which (laughs) was like the name of all the hot boys back then. Yeah. Oh, so it was pretty funny. And then like we were downstairs in the basement at this girl's house and playing with this and Corey, the ghost showed up and started saying middle school girl things to us. And then like a door slammed upstairs and we all screamed and freaked out. And then we wouldn't play with the Ouija board again. So that was my sole experience with the Ouija board. Excellent. Excellent. It was great. I'm so delighted to talk to somebody who, for whom this was actually an experience because we yeah. did not get to do that. I mean, I don't think Ouija boards have ever been a thing at dude parties necessarily. Yeah, it doesn't really seem like a dude party thing, yeah. but um, yeah, it was fun. You know, good times. I just always assumed that, that they were, um, that, you know, that they came in in like pieces. That there wasn't a box that they came with. You know, there is. I mean, there's they're sold like in a box in game sections in toy stores, but also the box doesn't look like that. Like that was a very like unbranded generic Ouija board box. So okay. it's like blue and it says Ouija on it. All right. So, so it's kind of weird. Um, anyway, a, a vase of flowers knocks over for no apparent reason. Possibly they summoned a ghost named Corey with their Ouija board. We're going to get more uh, of Corey in a minute. Yes, we are. Mila is unfazed. She picks up a flower from the toppled vase and puts it behind her ear and goes off to have fun with her friends. And honestly, this is probably my favorite moment in this episode. It's it's charming, it's adorable, and it, it actually like tells a story without like 
words. It's very nice. Yeah, it is really a, a genuinely nice moment. You really see kind of Mila's progression as a character in that moment. So um, they they start ch- taking turns, changing into their pajamas and putting on a pajama fashion show. Whoa, whoa, very- whoa, 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 whoa. We're skipping over a very important moment, <laughs> which is that when we come back from commercial break, we cross, or no, no, it's not a commercial. It's a crossfade. We crossfade into a conga line. <laughs> The girls, <laughs> Glory is not in the conga line. Glory is changing into her jammies. But the rest of the girls during the change have decided to conga. <laughs> As you do. Right. <laughs> yeah. But then they have their pajama fashion show. Um, Nancy is just wearing like boring old butcher boy style pajamas from the 1940s. And Sydney calls her lame. Yep. Yep. And uh, Sydney changes into some baby doll pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Which I only recognize because we saw them worn by Nancy earlier. Not these baby doll pajamas, different baby doll pajamas. Sydney has so many different sets of pajamas. Like, literally, all I sleep in is the same pair of sweatpants and some crappy t shirt that I pull out of my closet. Like, I don't even have a pajama, let alone several that would necessitate a fashion show. Right. So uh, they're trying to decide which music to play. And Mila says, oh, just turn on the tape that's already in her tape player. And it's Sandy. It's Sandy's music playing. And Mila's like, I'm your biggest fan. Yep. And uh, Sandy's going to be doing a makeover on Mila with the makeup that everybody brought. Yes. Here's what I want to know. How much time has elapsed since Sandy got her training for Mrs. Booth? Like, because the last (laughs) time Sandy did makeup herself... It did not go well. I seriously think it's been like a day, right? Because didn't she come up with the idea to have the slumber party like that same night? Yeah, it's been one day. Yeah. One. So, yeah, Sandy Sandy being the person who does this makes zero sense to me. But I guess we got to give her something to do. I mean, it does start to make a little more sense because everyone looks like garbage later. That is so. true. That is true. And <laughs> my favorite thing is that Sydney's like, Sandy's going to do this makeover. And then she starts telling everything, <laughs> telling Sydney yeah. what to use. She's like, use that product and that product and that product. Classic Sydney. She's like, just do all these things I tell you. Glory emerges from Mila's closet with an armful of wigs, which Mila says were left over from her soap opera days. And once again, I have endless questions about three o'clock dreams. Right. I, this feels at this point, I'm starting to wonder if three o'clock dreams was the daytime equivalent of alias. <laughs> Probably. Well, the girls all put on wigs and they start taking Polaroid pictures of each other. Nancy takes a picture of Mila wearing a black wig and Mila says, oh, don't show it to Garrett. And then Sandy's like, well, if a guy really likes you, shouldn't he like you no matter how you look? And Nancy said, how naive. <laughs> Does Garrett like you enough to show him this? <laughs> she turns the photo around. And Mila like kind of looks at it and laughs and she's like, yeah, show him. She's confident that Garrett likes her solidly. Yeah. Sydney and Glory start dancing. Nancy joins in. Sandy and Mila are going to join them when they're done with Mila's cheekbones. Mila Mila seems pretty thrilled that things are going so well. She thought it might be boring. And we cut over to Sandy just having this moment to herself where she says, looking straight down the barrel of the camera, the excitement's only just begun. (laughs) Sydney, not Sandy, but yeah. Sorry, sorry, Sydney. (laughs) I mean, obviously, Sandy doesn't scheme. Come on. No, Sandy does not scheme, but she does take she does take to the camera quite a bit. <laughs> she has some great takes to the camera in this one. So Whoa. we cut to the tool and die where the boys have all assembled. 
Garrett remarks on how many boys there are. Like, he, he didn't expect Owen and Neil to join in. JT gets in his face a little and he's like, scared of the competition. JT and, and Garrett get almost immediately into it. Uh, Garrett hits him with, like, uh, not things not being great between JT and Glory. And JT's like, I can fix it. Um <laughs> And Jimmy breaks them up and because, quote unquote, they have work to do. Yeah, like this is serious business here, apparently. Right. What is that work? Well, we will soon find out because Neil says they need to plan, but there's a spy among them. And the camera pans over to Callie, who's like, what the fuck, me? No, but that's my favorite thing about this is that until the camera pans over to Callie, you think it's just the guys in the tool and die. Like, there's no indication that anyone else is there. And also, I like, what time is this slumber party starting? Yeah, why are, why are so many people still at work? Right. It was so confusing to me. And essentially, Callie says she's going to go after she finishes the carburetor, but Barrick, like, gets her out of there. It's take the rest of the day off. And I was like, the rest of the day off? The slumber party has already started. Is this, like, 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, you think it'd be like 7 p.m. or something. What? I don't know. What is she doing? Why is she there still? Yeah. Callie, you're a workaholic. You got to go home, girl. And then as Callie yeah. heads over to her bike, she walks past to the line of guys, all of whom are leering at her ass. It was so gross. And then JT says, that's what I'd call a good motor. And then just to drive home the point, we get a motor sound effect. That's what I'd call a good motor. What do you know? Fuck this show. Anyway, Jimmy gets a little mad that JT's perfing on the girl who he is, feels is his property and yet uh, scorns and treats like garbage all the time. Fuck you, Jimmy. You're a terrible wizard. And then uh, JT wonders how they're going to sneak into Mila's house since no one's been in it before. And apparently Saja has uh, scoped the house to figure it out. Garrett asks if they're going to levitate. Well, hold on. Saja crouches atop the workbench like he's from a Mad Max movie for no apparent reason. Right. right. Then him. Garrett asks him if they're going to levitate, and then Saja calls him a flesh eater yep. and jumps down. <laughs> it is so weird. And then all the We very quickly cut back to Milos. Well, before that happens though, all the boys surround Garrett making weird noises and hand motions. I don't know why, but I do love this moment. <laughs> It's inexplicable. See, I had the opposite response. I tried to expel that moment from my memory by not taking any notes about it. <laughs> it was very strange and totally unexplained. So we cut back to Mila's. They're dancing to Chris Cross's jump. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, and and we, we are looking at the two of the TVs in Mila's wall, one of which has the music video and the other has the girls dancing. And there seems to be like a CCTV feed on the girls dancing. On And it is at this point that I realize behind the ladies dancing is Mila's bed. Why does Mila have a CCTV camera trained on her bed? I think this is a question we don't really want to know the answer to. So disturbing. It is very disturbing. So disturbing. Also, this scene of them like rapping along to Criss Cross in their pajamas lasts way too long. It's like an entire minute and it's just excruciating. And and my favorite thing about it is that no one no one in the scene is able to keep up with them. <laughs> they're trying they're trying to rap along and it does not work. 
And then kind of over on one side, Sandy's kind of like grooving and holding a shoe like it's a microphone and getting into the music. And Mila's kind of trying to like copy what she does. And Mila's like, like this? Like, like is she being a rock star properly? And Sandy's like, sure. And then she gives this, ugh, I hate you, but I'm trying to be nice laugh and like rolls her eyes. <laughs> It's just like, I had so many moments like that on the receiving end of that when I was in that same age group where I was like trying to fit in and people were like, ugh. Stop, Libby. <laughs> I was very familiar. <laughs> I, and it is at this point that we realized that um, several, most, I would say, of the girls have some sort of face mask on yeah like colorful weird colored face masks. right there's there's some of them have yellow some appear to have gray face masks none of them seem to have done it properly <laughs> yeah they're just like i think mila has a black one that's just two little smudges on her cheekbones it's like what are you doing like an actual face mask goes everywhere right, right? On, your, on your t-zone like come on what's so happening confused here? Fortunately, uh, the Countess and Catherine enter with some Swedish meatballs. Oh, I love Swedish meatballs, dude, I so much. also love Swedish meatballs. Mila, however, does apparently not because she immediately rolls her eyes and turns away. While everyone's distracted by the Swedish meatballs, Sydney sort of scampers over to the buffet table looks at the framed picture of Garrett and then just like drops it hilariously and then goes back to dancing. And sticks her tongue out at it. That's my favorite yeah. part. And then Callie comes in, still wearing her motorcycle helmet for no apparent reason. As she a person who, slow... who has ridden, who loves riding motorcycles, no one does this. Right, especially not in a really slow elevator ride. Like, you take it off at some point. You take you know? it off when you get off of the motorcycle. If if it's raining outside, you bring it in. So we get this great POV shot from inside Callie's helmet, which is just a dark purple filter over everything. And she kind of looks around, taking in the party. And the girls spot her, and they all flock around to welcome her. And she finally removes her helmet. So, and so But there's a long time where the camera is from her point of view... And it's it's like a, a dark, shadowy filter. And literally my notes say, why is this so weird? <laughs> it almost feels sinister. Like Callie is going to murder them or something. Or, or it it's might not weird. be Callie. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. But it is Callie. And she reluctantly allows the other girls to give her a makeover. And um, Sandy starts reading aloud from some weird magazine article called The 13-Step Guide to Better 14-Year-Old Skin. What? While the girls put crap all over Callie's face. Uh, I'm sorry, did you say that that was the name of the magazine or the article? It's the name of the article. Okay. I mean, that seems like I a very specific magazine. Callie looks terrified while all this is going on, but she is, is going along with it for the sake of getting along. And then the girls all start screaming over an actor named Corey, Corey, Corey. <laughs> now, I did go to the interwebs, and there appears <laughs> to have been an actor named Corey, Corey, but I, I, am, I was unable to find a Corey, Corey, Corey. Maybe I was... There were actually... So during this era, let me see if I can find their exact names, because I can't remember them all. Um, I just Googled literally the three Corys, and yeah, there we go. So it was Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, and there was a third, like, famous Corey actor around the same time. Not as famous as Corey Feldman or Corey Haim, but there was an additional Corey at that time, who was also a cute dude, and... um girls were obsessed with him so i think they're they're naming an actor cory 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 as ridiculous as this name is 
was their attempt to evoke all three Corys at once. So essentially, th- if we were to do this now, it would be Chris, Chris, Chris. <laughs> yes, or exactly. Chris, 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 Chris. 100%, yes. <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, Callie, when they start screaming about this boy, Callie gets this look on her face like, why am I here? And Glory's like, the makeovers are just the beginning. And then they all start talking about the fun things they're going to do. And Sydney innocently says, I have a game to play. And uh, Mila's, Mila asks her what it is. She's never heard of it, but she's up for new experiences. And then Sydney and Nancy share this diabolical look as they are wont to do. I mean, such an obvious diabolical look, too, that Mila, like, clocks that something is going on between them and, like, kind of looks at them both like, uh, what the fuck? It Am is I about so obvious die? that even Mila notices. Do you want to tell us what happens when we come back from the break? I don't really want to, but I will. Because we're back at the Tool and Die. The guys are lined up on their bikes. Barrick seems to be walking, like, inspection down the line. Uh, Neil appears to be having a mild panic attack. JT is practicing an apology to Glory. Owen does not have a motorbike, just a bicycle. It's like a Schwinn. Saja is meditating on his uh, moped. And there's this like military snare drum in the background, like Beric is their sergeant. He finishes the inspection, gives a thumbs up. The guys all snap down their helmet visors, except Owen, who just puts on his sunglasses. And then he tells them to start their start their engines and salutes them as he wishes them good luck. And then they push their bikes out of the shot. Every single one of them. It's so good. But then we do get a really great uh, outdoor shot, like from a, a high perspective, like it's another CCTV camera of them coming out of what's supposed to be the tool and die, but is obviously like the, the lot, the studio where they're filming. And the boys all ride and there's a pause. And then we see Owen pedaling madly to keep up. <laughs> and then we cut to Nancy. And literally my notes say, cut to Nancy rapping. I cannot even with this. <laughs> so it turns out this is the game called Who Am I? Which whoever's turn it is just raps impromptu lyrics about someone from the town and everyone else has to guess who it is. This is like a stupid so, game. It's a very stupid game. No one would enjoy playing this, uh, especially not at that age. And it's also super obvious from like the third word that Nancy is doing glory and it goes on for way too long. And the whole time I'm just like yelling inside my head, it's glory. God, please stop this so we can move on. Yes. Uh, Mila seems to feel a little bad because it's a little bit making fun of glory. And, and everybody's like, oh, it's all in good fun. Don't worry about it. Uh, everyone gets roasted tonight. They all complain about guys for a minute. And Sydney ju- gets on, like jumps up, stands on a chair and says, boys, who needs them? There's this long pause before they all shout, we do. And in my notes, I have, yes, yes, of course you do. Because God forbid we should allow the frail male ego a moment of thinking women are fine without us. I'm glad you're the one who said that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Men are the worst. Look how far we've come in 30 years, though. You know? (laughs) I'm glad the culture has changed this much. Uh, We've got a long way to go still. We do, but hey, small victories. We're moving in the right direction. That's right. Kind of. Okay, so Uh, they have a big group hug, and then we cut to the guys on the road. (laughs) 
this shot I love so much because I have to assume that these are the actual streets of Astoria, New York. It's like a three-lane highway just outside the studio, presumably, where the production crew has clearly stopped traffic to film the boys riding down the middle of the street. So, like, behind them is a whole bunch of vehicles with flashers on that are just stopped. And then there's a but like a crowd of people standing on the sidewalk, curious about what the fuck is going on. And, and we see that we see all the guys in the bikes on the motorbikes go by, and then <laughs> Owen pulling up the rear, just pedaling away. Oh, Owen. Uh, Mila, we're back at Mila's place again. She takes her turn in the game. She does a stupid rap about Callie, saying that she's scared of the dark. Callie gets a little miffed, and then Nancy turns off the light. Callie's not amused. And then she's like, let me guess, Jimmy told you that I'm afraid of the dark? Which Why wouldn't she guess Garrett? Because Mila's been hanging out with Garrett, and she already told Garrett that she's afraid of the dark, so whatever. Callie goes, I wouldn't have figured him to be a big mouth. And then Sydney's like, well, he only told everyone you're afraid of the dark because he always talks about you. Kelly notes, yeah, he talks about me, but he only seems to look at Sophia. Sorry, go ahead. And then Glory gets up on a chair and does the boys who needs them, we do thing again. So yeah, that's great. this was gratuitous. We did not need that, but thank you, Glory. Sydney takes her turn at the game. She stands up on the chair. She also has the motorcycle helmet, which... Kind of makes sense later. Uh-huh. She pulls out the Mayor Rutledge for Mayor flyer and begins reading from it. That's right, folks. It's the cucking contract. Uh, and here's, so literally, here's what, here's what happened. I'm watching this and she pulls out the flyer and I'm like, is that the cucking contract? And then <laughs> my next note is, she reads the cucking contract in all caps. Shots fired. <laughs> The camera, no. the camera pans over the faces of the girls listening, and when it gets to Sydney, she looks right down the barrel, and there is this amazing echo effect that they put on her her uh, her dialogue over. It's it's so good, right? I think the echo effect is supposed to be like we're supposed to take that as Mila's POV, where she's in this like tunnel of terror, listening to all of this happen as she realizes that Garrett never liked her in the first place. It was all a trick. Nancy has this look on her face like this is the most beautiful poetry she has ever heard. <laughs> I noted that too. Nancy looks dreamy, like every fantasy she has ever had has just come true at once. Seriously, she's blissed out. She so Sydney gets done. Music starts, everyone guesses Garrett, and Sydney pops down from, like, where she was standing with another glance at the camera, and Mila, crying, peels off her wig, and we cut to commercial. It's so sad. But then after we come back from the break, Mila's like, is this true, or are you just kidding? And Glory kind of looks at the flyer, and she's like, that's that's Garrett's signature, all right? Like, that's his handwriting. Yep. And then Sandy lets Mila know that Garrett likes, quote unquote, liked her to cheat on a spelling test in fourth grade. And I, <laughs> immediately following that, I was like, he's a psycho. <laughs> he's a psycho. And it turns out that like pretty much all the girls, except for Callie, who's new in town, have their own stories of Garrett pretending to like them so that he could like manipulate them for various reasons like you know cheating on tests or getting ice cream or whatever yeah and sydney goes i didn't mean to hurt you i didn't want to see him hurt you the way he's hurt me and i was like uh sure sydney Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh so then anyway mila gets over it very quickly she's like well screw that guy and then all the girls do another boys who needs them but this time the answer is 
we don't. Exactly. And my favorite my favorite moment in this little section is that the girls all welcome her to Swan's Crossing. Like, getting disappointed by Garrett is somehow a rite of passage. Now it's time for the obligatory witchy madness that happens at all girls' slumber parties. Oh my gosh, this is so good. The girls decide to make a vow. But, like, at a slumber party, you don't just make a vow any old way. Oh no. You gotta get all occult over it. Yeah, we cut to uh, candles being lit in the dark, and, and literally my notes say, OMG, it is a coven meeting! <laughs> it sure is! Because they all sit in a circle around a whole bunch of candles with the lights off, and they're holding hands, and they follow Sydney in a vow, which is, no matter what, we stick together, sisters forever. No boy will ever pull us apart, no matter how hard they try. And then they all repeat again and again, cross our hearts, sisters forever. Cross our hearts, sisters forever, as they raise their hands up over the candle flame. It is so weird. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and then the boys arrive through what I assume is the window. I think so, yeah. There's a great deal of shouting and whooping. Uh, and then Garrett jumps on the bed and shouts, thought we'd drop by. Oh, is that what he yelled? I never could understand what the hell he said. But he does just start jumping on Mila's bed like a complete asshole. And credits roll. So, very in character. Just like, right within his character playbook. I mean, standard Garrett. There oh my we go. gosh. This what episode. Is so good. And it just goes bonkers from here on out. And I'm so excited to see, like, how you react to the incredible plot twists that are coming. I really I really do have to say, this has been one of my favorite episodes to talk about so far. It is really fun. From from just the horrific sexism and, and weird teen traditions. And I just, I loved this one. I loved it. <laughs> it was good. Well, difficult decision, I'm sure. But who was our psychopath of the week this time? Uh, Barrick. Yeah, I guess not such a difficult decision after all. I mean, he doesn't get a lot of screen time, but he really makes the most of it by being a total creeper. He nasty. Yes. What is our swan count? Only one. Because we ah. didn't get, we did not get a uh, a montage of the opening number, uh, but there is the bed swan above Mila's bed. Ah, oh, the bed swan. Pro- always prominently featured throughout the episode. So that brings and, us up uh, to two imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 57 other swans. Holy cow, that's so many swans yeah. in just 20 episodes. So uh, what are your predictions for next week? Our, our season finale. Oh, geez. So next week, I think, I mean, the, the guys invade the slumber party. I think the girls end up, I like, I, I feel like they immediately go back on their, their sacred vow that they've just taken. Um, so the guys absolutely, the arrival of the guys heralds the downfall of the sisterhood i think mila garrett gets confused by the way that mila treats him and is trying to like figure out how to get back in good there i'm gonna predict that garrett's smarmy charm wins the day and he manages to salvage it and i think jt does not manage to salvage things with glory that's where I'm going to go there. I think at some point the Countess or Catherine come back into the room and they have to hide all the guys. And uh, because I know this, Owen has his keyboard and Sandy does some singing. And I think Mila also sings, much to Sandy's dismay. In terms of, I, I again, I think the whole, almost the whole episode is going to take place in the bedroom. And we don't... 
we don't and and picks up immediately where we left off okay let me ask you one question okay recall that uh Sandy's long game here is still to try to get Garrett kicked off the baseball team. Sydney's. So how do you think? Sydney's long. Sydney's. God, their names are too similar. I Who know. did that? I did. I did it earlier. Um, bad writer problem. So I don't. I don't know. So maybe. Okay. One other possibility is Sydney ends up letting the countess know that the boys have snuck in. I don't. I just. I don't know how she she gets him in trouble. I'm really confused about how that's going to happen because it seems it seems to have taken a very like Mila centric strategy so far. And I don't know how much trouble he's going to get in for sneaking into this slumber party when all of the guys have done it. So I'm very confused and I don't know. I don't have a prediction. Well, we'll find out next week and what an exciting reveal it will be. Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swan's Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swan's Cross Pod. And uh, until next week, our season finale, um, may all your coven meetings successfully cast your spell upon your enemies and may your vows hold for all eternity. Or, or may all of your s'mores contain caviar. <laughs> That's a good one. That's much better. Bye. How are we gonna get in? Levitate. Exactly. <laughs> You're wise beyond your looks, flesh eater. <laughs> <laughs>